0: What happens when a Catholic deacon matches wits with a Catholic radio show host? You get a marriage made in heaven. They may not always agree, but they're always faithful. It's the Akins with their View from the Pew on Modern Day Radio.
1: And welcome to this episode of View from the Pew. I am your host, Brenda Aiken, and joining me today is the man, well, who took three days to get over. The three-day easter triduum the good deacon scott aiken
2: this is my 14th year as a deacon and i have to say that this year i had a noticeable recovery period associated with uh, my easter experience
1: so do you think that is because you put more effort and emotion into experiencing the easter triduum or is it because you are 14 years older than the first easter triduum you experienced as a deacon
2: Yes, to the first, I prefer, but I know I'm only fooling myself. No, I'm getting older. So I think, you know, in times, the time it, that uh, we put in for the triduum, I think uh, a lot of uh, a lot of laity don't quite know what all goes into the, the myriad of masses and services. And so we had a, a great turnout for all of them. And I mean, all of them, even Easter vigil this year, Father Gary Lazaroni and I commented that it seemed like to be the largest gathering for Easter vigil that we can recall. So it, you know, it was, that was part of the excitement, all the people, but for me, as I've shared with viewers before, you know, I, and everything I do, I seem to be an extrovert, responsible person, but I'm an introvert by nature. And uh, so I needed uh, maybe not three days, but I needed at least a day and a half to recover. And so uh, I was uh, just checking my email for work uh, periodically. And I told them that I'm going to Monday is going to be definitely a down day for me because I'm not going to be too functional otherwise.
1: Yeah, but I think that, you know, for recognizing, you know, the effort that goes into putting in the triduum, and I've seen you do those preparations from preparing homilies to practicing the exalted, which I know for many people in our community, they look forward to hearing you chant that. It is an absolute beautiful prayer. There is a lot of effort, and it does tend to leave, I think, anyone, whether you're introverted or extroverted, kind of a little depleted, so to speak. I definitely feel that way after having to prepare a big meal for the family, which we were so blessed to have all of our family, uh, you know, children, Nanadi with us for Easter. So it was a beautiful liturgy. And uh, now we are in this Easter season. And now here we are getting ready to celebrate Divine Mercy Sunday. Another great opportunity, you know, to just rest and experience God's mercy. We've had really wonderful Divine Mercy Sundays. Of course, you as a deacon serving. But if we think back to Divine Mercy Sunday, happened to be right near our anniversary. Of course, we celebrated our anniversary this year on Good Friday. So we had to postpone that celebration. But the year that our anniversary celebrated 25 years, we had a a gathering of our friends. Our parents came up and... The next morning, our son on Divine Mercy Sunday received his Holy Communion. And the graces the, since that time, I mean, we just always remember that. Even though the date itself changes, we just always think of Divine Mercy Sunday. That was first Holy Communion Sunday.
2: And this year, as you just said, notably, our anniversary fell on Good Friday. And I can't recall if and when that happened in the past. And yet, uh, what was striking to, to us as we were talking to one another on Good Friday morning, it was that it's 33 years and we got married and it was during the wedding finished during the um, divine mercy hour at three o'clock at the time of our Lord's death on Good Friday. So (laughs) 33 years ago at three o'clock, we were just neophytes in what it means to be married. In that sacrament, and uh, it was, it was just neat to make those connections and and share with our Lord uh, the the uniqueness of that. I just I really was impressed by that. Somebody said, uh, "Keep eyes on Deacon, that he doesn't die." Oh. I said, "I'm not, not going to die on Good Friday, like our Lord, but uh, I certainly uh, am recognizing our Lord's death more poignantly after 33 years in marriage, just to be valuing the need for our Lord and what He did for us." in the Easter sacrifice.
1: In talking about today's show, and we're getting ready for Easter, you know, when we're talking about the Lord's ministry, we recognize that God became human, came to earth, experienced everything that we experience, And there were times of joy, and there were times of anxiety and fear that, well, we believe that Christ would have felt too as a human. We've got a great opportunity to talk to another great Catholic author today. Gary Zimmick will be joining us. He has a new book out called Let Go of Your Fear, Choosing to Trust Jesus in Life's Stormy Times. You know, It brings to mind, and in our discussion, we'll talk a little bit about Christ's passion and about whether or not fear was a part of that and what the response would be and what it should be for all of us. So that's coming up in just a moment.
2: And then after that, we'll continue to share on the topic of fear and just trying to understand the humanity of it but the promise that the Lord gives us through the strength of the Holy Spirit to deal with properly our fears.
1: So stay with us. We got a great show ahead for you on this week's View from the Pew.
0: There's a great saying that we should be a thermostat and not a thermometer. A thermometer reads the temperature of the room and responds to it. A thermostat sets the temperature of the room. You're going to walk into lots of rooms today, lots of situations and scenarios in your life. Are you responding to everybody else around you or are you setting the spiritual temperature? Do you find yourself constantly responding to how your kids are acting? Are you letting that determine the kind of father you are? If you got teens in the house, that's not a good idea. Are you basing the kind of spouse you are today on how good your husband or wife's mood is? Are you responsive to the virtue or lack thereof in your workplace and letting that determine how you interact with the people around you? No, no, no. Start being responsive to God. Keep the person he's calling you to be today front and center. If you're true to that, even if you're quiet, Whatever room you walk into, a wave of grace will follow you. Send us a message at connect at reallifecatholic.com. This is Chris Stefanik from reallifecatholic.com. Would you like to make your spring cleaning plans a little easier this year? Let Mater Day Radio give you a hand. If you have a car, truck, van, RV, or boat that you would like to clear out, our vehicle donation program is just the answer. You can donate your vehicle to Mater Day Radio and get a likely tax deduction in return. It's quick and easy, giving you a real jumpstart to your spring cleaning. Learn more about our vehicle donation program at materderadio.com. Family life can be hectic, but God can be found right in the middle of it. So take a moment for this week's View from the Pew.
1: We've all had that feeling in the pit of our stomach. Something doesn't feel right. And maybe you move quickly from anxiety to fear. And then does that fear stop you from relying on God and your faith to pull you through? Well, you don't have to live in fear if you truly truly believe that God will help you with anything that life sends your way. Well, in his new book, Let Go of Your Fear, Choosing to Trust Jesus in Life's Stormy Times, Gary Zimmick will help you reach for God's hope. Gary is with me this morning to talk a little bit more about it. Hello, Gary. Welcome back to the show.
3: Brenda, it's always great to be on with you. Thank you so much for the invitation.
1: Well, Gary, I think in order to overcome fears, you need to understand what it is. So Gary, can you help us kind of give us a ground base on understanding fear and its purpose?
3: Yeah. And you know, the thing about fear is fear is an emotion. It's something given to us by God. It's something we can't directly control. Oftentimes I speak a lot about worry and people confuse worry and fear, but they're really two different things. Fear is a response. It's a belief. It's a response to the belief that we are in danger for any number of different reasons. Now, sometimes it's legitimate that we're afraid, and that's when God gave us this emotion of fear so that we can take steps to avoid doing something that might get us in trouble. So fear can be useful, but other times, our fears can be excessive. We can be afraid when we, when we really shouldn't be, you know, when it comes to trusting in God or something. So really what this book is about, it's learning to recognize fear as a God-given emotion and respond in the correct way. And my hope with the book also is that when the reader gets finished the book, they'll understand that many times we're afraid when we really shouldn't be, because we have a Father in Heaven who is absolutely in control.
1: Well, Gary, then all of us, and I can say really as humans, that's an emotion that we feel. It is a gift from God, so it's not bad. But did Jesus himself feel fear, too, then?
3: You know, that's a really good point, and I've been asked that before, and, and I'm always hesitant to go into that, to answer that too much, but what I'll say this is that on the night before he died is that Jesus was obviously extremely troubled about what he was about to undergo, and my feeling on that is that Jesus trusted his Father completely. There's no doubt about that. He, he and the Father's will were one, but in his humanity, Jesus was reacting to his upcoming death and the suffering, the weight of all that suffering that was going to be on him, by sweating blood and by praying to his Father, Father, if it be your will, take this suffering away from me, but ultimately not my will, but your will be done. So in doing so, Jesus allowed himself to, to experience this emotion of dread. I think dread is a, is a more appropriate thing to, to call it. Than than fear necessarily, but I'm sure there was some element of fear involved. He allowed himself to experience this so he could give us the example of what we can do when we're afraid.
1: Well, if you want to learn more, Gary Zimmick's new book is called Let Go of Your Fear, Choosing to Trust Jesus in Life's Stormy Times. It is out by Ave Maria Press. Gary's joining me today as we talk a little bit more about this. Well, Gary, you know, at times I feel like God looks at us and just kind of smiles and pats us on the head and says, they're there. I think that happened with the apostles a lot. You know, they were with Jesus right there, able to touch him. And yet they were still afraid. For instance, the story of the boat on the stormy waters. So how can we, who don't get to touch Jesus the way the apostles did, how do we rely on God when we feel like He's maybe not even with
3: us. You know, that's a great question. I'm really glad you asked me that, Brenda, because here's here. I think we fall into this trap sometimes of technically, no, we can't touch Jesus in the flesh as the apostles did, and as you mentioned, they were still afraid. Even, but they had to learn what he could do. They were, they were. He was developing a relationship with them. In uh, in this book, I discuss both of the storms at sea, as detailed in the Gospels. And in both cases, Jesus was trying to increase their faith. But, you know, I think what I need to remember, because I forget this constantly, is that I can encounter that same Jesus that the apostles did through the Eucharist, through prayer. He's still alive. And it's so easy to forget that because I can't see his body with my eyes, I'm constantly forgetting how real he is, how he's with me, and how he's bigger than than my problems. And I've and I've accepted this. This is going to be a lifelong journey for me and for all of us, really, to, to try to break free from fear and to, to learn to trust the Lord more. It, it's something we're going to be working on for the rest of our lives, some of us more than others.
1: Oh, for sure, Gary. And also you talk about how, well, the antidote for having fear is also hope. Now, How can we rely yeah. on hope to help us through when it feels like it's a pretty dark time out there?
3: Yeah, and that's, that's I think, the main reason I wrote this book, is to help people who are in the middle of the storm realize that it might look hopeless now, but it looked hopeless to the apostles at the time. There is always hope when you invite the Lord into your situation, when you invite Him to become active in your storm. I always say, when I speak, when I write, it will get better. I can't always promise externally the circumstances will change, because sometimes it doesn't. But when you invite Jesus into your storm, when you go to him, as the apostles did, and say, Lord, save us, you know, we're drowning, however you want to say it, he will somehow do something to make it better. And oftentimes that just begins with that interior peace that that feels so good, even though the storm might still be raging.
1: Well, Gary Zimmick is a Catholic speaker and the best-selling author of a number of books, including Give Up Worry for Lent. Let Go of Anger and Stress, and he's joining me today to talk about his new book, Let Go of Your Fear. Well, this is a great resource. And again, the, the wonderful thing I love about it is sometimes you fear picking up another book because you think, how can I have any more time to try to learn right. something new? This is small, it is concise, yeah. and it's really meant to be used. It's a resource you say for an individual or a group. So tell our listeners. Let's crack open these pages and explain to them how they can use this book.
3: You know, Brenda, I'm glad you said that about the book being easy to use. I, I'm I'm somebody who has a stack of books. All you know, have multiple stacks. Oh, of me books, too. And I'm always right. I'm always juggling, and I wanted this to book, book to be very easy to use. And and essentially, what I do is on the second night of my parish missions when I give my give up worry for Lent parish mission, I spend the second night talking about these two storms on the Sea of Galilee. The first one, Jesus is in the boat with the apostles. The second one, they're off on their own. He comes and joins them walking on the water. So these are two different storms. And I went through it verse by verse in this book. One chapter, I've been pretty much stuck to one verse per chapter. The chapters are short. And I just look at what happened with the apostles. They're in the storm. They didn't know what to do. They thought they were drowning. They turned to Jesus he calmed the storm, and they learned something. Essentially, both of these storms have this, this similar elements to them. And I went through it basically verse by, by verse and, and tried to highlight to anybody reading the book, look, it looks bad in this storm, but look look at what happened. At any one point, things look really bleak for the apostles. But in the end, things worked out for the best. So in our case, if, if somebody's in the storm and they're reading the book, they have to understand that that's a snapshot at any one point in time. These snapshots of the apostles in the storm looked very, very bad because in our case, our storms are not over yet. So the story's incomplete. So my, my goal is to give the reader hope by letting them understand that your storm is not finished yet. Let's give the Lord a chance to work.
1: Oh, it's absolutely perfect. And then each chapter you take on those moments You give them some reflection questions and, of course, a prayer at the end of each section. It's a wonderful book. Again, it's called Let Go of Your Fear, Choosing to Trust Jesus in Life's Stormy Times. Gary, well, our listeners are going to want to get a copy. Where can they find a copy of your book? Also, more of your resources.
3: Brenda, the easiest thing for anybody listening to do is to go right to my website, followingthetruth.com. They can find the book there. They can find access to all of my resources or they can find out how to invite me to their parish to speak.
1: Sounds good. Well, hopefully your travels will uh, get you to the Pacific Northwest. We would look forward to that very much. Gary, thank you so much for your time today.
3: My pleasure, Brenda. God bless you. Keep up the great work.
1: Oh, thank you. You too. And again, that is Gary Zimick. the name of the book, Let Go of Your Fear, Choosing to Trust Jesus in Live Stormy Times. Again, it is out by Ave Maria Press. I will be sure to add a link to where you can get right to Gary's page, find his resources, and also get a copy of the book for yourself. You're going to find that link on the podcast of this interview on the Hail Mary media app or on our webpage, materdayradio.com. When he told you you were dirty That you should be ashamed God, I don't know if I am particularly a fearful person, but I do know that I get scared. and I don't typically walk down a dark hall, uh, especially if I've watched the Thriller or a spooky movie. I actually tend not to watch very many spooky movies because I feel like I have that kind of anxiety within me. But it's interesting talking with Gary and we talked about our fear responses. I was glad to know that fear isn't bad because somehow we feel like if it's not joyful or a good thing, then somehow it's bad. But that's not the case with fear.
2: Fear is a an, an emotion. It's a response and it can benefit us. If we have fear of going into the lion's den, that's a good thing, so to speak. Um, being, being aware and using our senses to avoid danger or harm is connected to a sense of trepidation or fear. So fear, I think, is part of our human experience and and in the, um, the gifts of the Holy Spirit, one of the gifts is fear of the Lord. What does that mean, to, to fear? It's, it's not to be in, in, construed in the negative. I think it's to be construed in the heightened awareness. The fear mm. of the Lord is to know the Lord and to know what it takes to be with the Lord and what, it, what we can do that can draw us away from the Lord. So we have a hyper-awareness. That's the gift that uh, the Holy Spirit gives us in fear of the Lord, that we know that uh, the presence of the Lord. But again, that term fear is used there as part of our human experience.
1: You know, and the other experience that we all have is what is our response to that feeling, right? Now, there have been times where I have felt kind of fearful and I turn in and, and I become kind of stuck or, or withdrawn, unable to move. And then I've seen you maybe recognize fear in different ways, but you're much different. You're ready to react. You're ready to move. You're ready to take on whatever that is. So it's funny how fear isn't the reaction. Fear is the emotion. And then what we choose to do with that, well, you know, that's the way that we can benefit by the feeling of fear and sometimes not, you know, when Gary was talking about the apostles on the storm and they were with God, they were literally with God. Well, they still felt fear, right? So it's our, our ability to align our will, to recognize that God is with us, even though maybe it feels like he's asleep and doesn't know what's happening in our lives. Yeah, the apostles had a hard time understanding that and as i was talking with gary sometimes it feels like god's saying now they're there just you know calm your heart i'm here why are you afraid
2: you know the apostles that's a great example when they were in the boat and they were facing that storm the humanity of the experience was palpable in the way that you read it. You can just tell that, you know, if we were on that boat, we'd be probably similarly going through this traumatic response. Um, And to see them grow from that neophyte point, that's a good, I think, way to look at this, given this is the Easter season. And we're working with our new newly um, brought in uh, Christian brothers and sisters at Easter vigil, that there is this, uh, there's this growth that has to take place in the experience of God. And so Jesus is asleep on the boat and they can't fathom how come he's not anxious like they are. And it's a good touchstone in our experience of Christ's walk on the earth. And then ultimately his death, life, death and resurrection that we just celebrated in that what is promised coming up in 50 days from Easter, Pentecost and the paraclete and the Holy spirit that will be sent. So even in the upper room that we'll find on the 49th day from, from Easter, the disciples are still fearful. They're in the upper room with Mary, fearful of the, the Jewish community, of the Roman community. They're fearful that they're going to, to die. But when the Holy Spirit comes, and that's the beauty and the recognition that we, that we lead the neophytes now into the fullness of understanding, to the best of our ability, what it means to be confirmed in our faith is that we're given the gifts of the Holy spirit that help us respond to fear in a new way. Fear is the emotion. It's part of our humanity, but it's how we respond to it. And so one of the key gifts that we receive in our confirmation is the the gift of fortitude
1: Mm -hmm.
2: and fortitude being that courage in, in the middle of pain or adversity, having courage in the middle of that, that's a gift of the Holy Spirit. It's not our natural response. So to, to cue in on that, especially as, as Christians and Catholics who have received this sacrament of confirmation, we have that to rely on. And it's exemplified coming up in Pentecost when the disciples who were fearful in the upper room, not much different than they were on the boat with Jesus uh, prior to his death and resurrection. They're still fearful when they receive that gift of the Holy Spirit. Boom. What did they do? What's the first thing they did? They just like threw those doors open in the upper room and they went out into the community, whether they were going to get stoned or crucified, that didn't matter. Mm. They went out full of the Holy spirit and began to preach the good news to the community. That's, that's just beautiful how that can happen. And this, I think it was well said by the author here. What is the growth of our Christian experience overcoming fear, not through our own ability, but through the strength of the Holy spirit.
1: And what is incredible, too, with this fear, this gift that we are supposed to recognize from God and act in a right way? Well, it can also be a tool that the devil tries to get in and really disrupt what our right response to fear should be.
2: Fear is a fundamental tool of the devil to cause separation in our lives, separation from one another, separation from even ourselves. our our better mind to go towards an issue. When fear comes in, it creates separation. And ultimately it separates us from trusting in the Lord. And so it pushes us into an introversion. Like you were mentioning earlier, we have a, a, a tendency towards that introversion when fear takes over. So the gift of the Holy spirit to give us that strength to not be overcome by it. That is why it's so necessary for us to receive the sacraments that our faith gives us to be able to withstand and overcome what that fear might otherwise do to separate us from God and the devil not survive that.
1: Oh, that's right. And as you just mentioned about confirmation, we know that as we move through these days after Easter, those young men and young women will be presenting themselves to their bishop. Well, to receive that confirmation, it is always uh, just such a satisfying and just overwhelming feeling that i get when you watch these young men we've watched our own children go through that to to that they prepare themselves and they are ready to take on those challenges are they completely ready not yet but they have been given all the gifts that they need in order to get there and to work through those fears scott before we go will you end us in prayer
2: lord we greatly look forward to Pentecost as a reminder to us of the gift that you give us in the Holy Spirit, the paraclete who will give us the strength when we need that strength. Help us to trust in that and help us to teach our children who have been confirmed to remember that great, great gift that is necessary for us as Christians to carry forward our faith in this life. We ask for your blessing on our lives this week, and we ask you for a blessing upon our families and our community. In your holy name, Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen.
1: And that is going to wrap it up for us this week. Please tune in next week as we share with you more stories about our faith, our family, and our View from the Pew.
2: God bless and happy Easter. You've been listening
0: to View from the Pew, a weekly look at faith and family life from a Catholic perspective with Deacon Scott and Brenda Aiken. For more information on the Akins and to listen to an archive of their previous shows, visit them online at MontereyRadio.com pew. View from the Pew is produced at the studios of Monterey Radio in Portland, Oregon.